Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm Trish. And this is Trying to Win. Sarah and I are the founding members of Lincoln Durr. It's a law firm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, together, we've been practicing law for a really, really long time. This is our podcast to share our experiences, uh, lessons learned, both inside and outside the courtroom. Yeah, and we have a very special guest today, Judge Jesse Caldwell III, uh, retired at this point from the Superior Court bench here in North Carolina, and one of our one of our favorites when we were trying cases in front of him when he was still on the bench. No nonsense. <laughs> Doesn't play around. Does not, and has a voice that when he gets a little agitated with the lawyers can be quite frightening. So hopefully you'll it'll put you'll you in enjoy line this. Real quick. <laughs> absolutely absolutely well thanks for thanks for coming thank you for having me it's an honor to be here i've been excited been looking forward to this good good so what's retirement like you i mean you probably didn't even have a clue what to do with yourself well there are two people those that uh, retire they're sitting around and nothing to do and they decide they want to go back to work somewhere then the other people who say I don't know how time to work I'm, i'm busier than ever and that's me i uh trying to get into mediation I'm uh, going to be able to do uh, some emergency fill-in uh, judicial work. I'm doing uh, closing my mother's estate out. I uh, preached a number of times this summer. I have a lot of my fingers in a lot of different pies. And I have friends that I like to have lunch with yeah. and uh, socialize with. So I'm having, I'm busy. I'm having a good time. Good. Excellent. So are you still seeing um, some other members of the bench? Are they among the group of people that you still, you know, might have lunch with from time to time? They are, yeah. Excellent, are. Yeah, excellent. It's a lot of fun. Including his son. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we really wanted to talk during this episode about kind of what your experiences were like when you were on the bench and hearing cases. Sure. And, you know, we will stories. We will stories. Um, change the names of those who need to be <laughs> kept anonymous or, you know, the guilty okay. <laughs> will go nameless. But we um, yeah. So I, I, I think the first question and hopefully you'll excuse the language is, you know, name a time when someone saved your ass. <laughs> Every day in court, the clerk of court. Oh, would say there you go. Go. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. I was in a medical malpractice case and three weeks, and it was uh, hotly contested. And we mapped out the jury instructions, and they were complex, and they were ornate, and they were nuanced, and there were a lot of side issues. And uh, I woke up. The uh, we had the jury arms. They went till about six fifteen. And came back the next morning, and I couldn't talk. I could, I just, you know, <laughs> and, I, and here I was to get. So we came. I came. It was in Mecklenburg County. I came uh, into uh, into the judges' chambers. What am I going to do? And uh, Julie Mohall said, uh, uh, I, "I said, is there anybody? Is there anybody here?" She said, uh, "Judge Cordell is back there. He finished up wherever he was in another county, Shelby or wherever." So I went and asked uh, Gentry Cordell. We kind of wrote it out. He agreed to sit on the bench with me and read my instructions. <laughs> it was almost like a ventriloquist up there. <laughs> and the two of us sitting up there, and I thought I thought about as he – and he's got this booming, deep he voice. Does, he yeah. looks like uh, Harrison Ford or, or, or Tommy Lee Jones or somebody. He's got, got this deep voice, and he was a wonderful prosecutor. But And I thought about why he was saying it. You know, mouthing sort of the word, you know, but I didn't go there. It was too serious a case. But cold, he came in at 920, and he said, I'll read. And you read 40 pages worth of jury instructions. Save my 
ass. Thank you, Gentry. Thank you, Gentry. But it worked out great. And 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 his voice was a lot better than mine on a good day. And so uh, I sat up there with him, two black robes, and I was able to kind of, he's the judge. He's, he's going to help us oh. out here. So anyway, yeah, he bailed me out big time. Love yeah, it. there's, you know, it's funny that there, it seems like there's always something that happens during a, the course of a trial that um, there's not a rule for, right? <laughs> like everybody's kind of going, what What do we do with that? <laughs> How are we going to fix this? Because there's no rule about no. what if the judge can't talk, but the law requires that the jury instructions be read to the jury. Yes, it does. You yeah. know, and I would imagine back then, because Gentry's you, been off the bench for a while. He's been off for a while. Yeah. And of course, you can send them back. But that's after you've read them. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Well, and back then, I'm not sure that was the practice. That some has become more of the practice. It, yeah. But even today, yeah, oh, yeah, some yeah, judges won't do it. Well, and, you know, I, I could just see one lawyer's judge. I'll be glad to read these for you. I'll tell you a quick story, not to digress. No, that's what Tim we're Patty for. told me he was up in uh, one of the mountain counties, and he came in. I'll, I'll say something later about the surprise of the day coming in. You know, what are you looking forward to? He saw the saw the bailiff starting to wheel into the jury room a cart with a urn of coffee and orange juice and Danish and all of this stuff. And he said, Sheriff, that's, that's awful nice. You're giving the jury breakfast. Yes, sir, Judge. Compliments of the plaintiff's counsel. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, hold on a minute, he said. We'll bring that back. So, you know, I, I wasn't about to let one of the lawyers read this and put kind of a spin on certain That's things. That's right. Sure. But uh, Gentry, uh, Gentry bailed me out. But but I'll be honest with you, uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about the um, camaraderie and the uh, collegiality of the Supreme Court bench, every judge, I, I've never met a judge who wouldn't do anything he or she could to help another judge out without fail every time. That's that's good. Yeah. I have got to tell you this story because um, it makes me laugh and it's about the jury thing. So I was trying this case in Wilmington. It was a malpractice case. And we were in the middle of war deer, so we were seating the jury and there were a couple of jurors that were already seated. And um, we had gotten a real-time transcript from the court reporter so that we could get the, you know, the, the transcript of the proceedings every day so we had an exact record of what was going on in the courtroom. So we go, it's like July 4th holiday weekend, and we leave and we come back. And over the weekend, the plaintiff's lawyer had approached me and said, hey, I'll split the real-time costs with you of that transcript. Well, court reporters do not like that because they're basically not getting paid for their work, and it's not fair. It's not the right thing to do. So I I said, no, I wasn't going to do that. You know, If he wanted his transcript, he could get his own. So that Monday morning, I come in, and the court reporter, this blonde lady, is in the bathroom. And I walk over to her, and I say, I got your check for you. I brought it. And she looked at me kind of funny. And I said, he tried to split the transcript cost with me. Or he tried to split the cost with me, but I didn't let him do it. But I brought your check. It's in my briefcase, and then I'll give it to you when we get in the courtroom. She looked at me funny. So I walk in the court. I wash my hands, whatever, leave the bathroom. Walk in the courtroom, sit down. And here comes a court reporter with her bag coming in from the back. <laughs> That was a juror. And so the juror then comes in and she's, (laughs) she comes and when I see her sit down and and I go white as a ghost because I've just offered to give a check to the juror. So Judge Andy Cromer was on the bench and um, she came in and she's like, I have something I need to tell the court. And I'm like, oh my God. 
So he excuses her, and I tell the judge, and I'm I'm shaking. Like I thought I, yeah. I was going to get in trouble because I I didn't you know I, and uh, I just honestly made a mistake. And um, I tell the judge, and he looks at me, and he didn't say anything for a second. He went, <laughs> and he put his head down, and he was shaking on the bench, laughing so hard. Yeah. Anyway. That's it. But that could have gone a different way because the lawyer on the other side of that case is one that would take advantage. Oh, he was being cool about it, actually. Of, the, of those circumstances <laughs> well, if he thought it would benefit will. him, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. it, that could have gone either way. <laughs> anyway. Well, oh, I, I not heard that story. That's hilarious. So tell us a funny story. I have to bite my tongue to keep from laughing <laughs> when I have to make an ob- objection. I sustain the objection. And I think, I sure would like to hear the answer. And let me tell you why. One of my friends, Judd Downs, Mm -hmm. from Franklin, North Carolina, was trying a case, a criminal case he told me about. In Gaston County, a woman was charged with stabbing uh, this fellow with an ice pick. They had met at the Blue Barrel beer joint on the Catawba River, west side of uh, Macklemore (laughs) County, and went to his trailer in Mount Holly afterwards. So they got there, and uh, she says, uh, let me call my friend Robin over so we can have a threesome. Well, he allowed that he didn't want to have a threesome. He just wanted to be a twosome. And so he's on the witness stand, and he said, and she got mad, and she stabbed me with an ice pick because I wouldn't let Robin come over for a threesome. And the district attorney, your witness. And the defense attorney said, that's very interesting. Now, now this threesome with Robin, now how is that going to work? And the district attorney said, objection, Your Honor, that's irrelevant to the assault. And Judge Downs said, he turned and grinned at the Gaston County jury. He said, well, it may be irrelevant, but I want to hear the answer. (laughs) Objections overruled. So anytime I have to sustain all the law, sustain objection, but I would really like to hear the answer, I think That's about that. Oh, a gosh. quick postscript to that. After the trial was over, the jury found her not guilty. And uh, as Judge Townsend was walking out, my friend Chip Clodiger was sitting over there. He said, Judge, I don't have much, but I'd give everything I have for Robin's telephone. <laughs> And I think about that, I have to stop biting, uh, biting my tongue for laughing when somebody says, and what was the telephone number? Did, did they give you a number? So anyway. That's hilarious. I That's love really that. Funny. I love wow. that. Wow. Mm. How many times has your cell phone rang in court? Well, you know what? Because <laughs> I'm supposed to turn it off. I'm I've seen pretty good about not. cutting it off, but it has come off a couple of times. <laughs> did you get arrested? Did you uh, arrest yourself? <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I, I never did, but I, I profusely apologize. And I was pretty good when I was on the bench. About I know people. You know, uh, uh, some of the sheriffs would want to take somebody's phone. I'd say, Sheriff, no, they're embarrassed enough. You know, just you know. But I do know a judge who would, who would his phone would would go off and he would kind of lean down and it was his kid yeah. <laughs> and, hey, he, I, hey, and I, he answered it yeah hey what they say no i don't have time i'm in court right now you know oh my so, gosh that's yeah. the, i mean even the lawyers who might be waiting for their case to get called and their phone is going off and they literally are answering it as they walk out of the courtroom. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, wait until you get out the door. Oh, it's just crazy. It's so, unbelievable, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of the stuff you yeah. see. What other kind of crazy things have you seen happen? Well, there was, uh, um, in our Gaston County Courthouse, we had, uh, it was, the old one was mm-hmm. dilapidated and 
and uh, uh, we were in dire need of a new one. But, but we're, I'm trying to case, and we're sitting there in the big courtroom, and and the Girl Scout. We used to have school groups; they still do come in and watch trials. And mm-hmm. stuff. The Girl Scout troop is uh, sitting there one afternoon. What this dilapidated courthouse? The a ceiling tile falls from the ceiling and bops one of the little girls on the head. Oh, good grief! You know, we had to stop everything. And do we need to call it? She was all right, but I mean, I will say this: one of the most interesting parts of being a Superior Court judge, especially during a trial, doesn't matter whether it's criminal or civil, is the surprise of the morning. You've heard of the the Jelly of the Month Club. Well, this is the surprise of the day, the surprise of the morning. Every morning when you come in, there's a new wrinkle. There's a new issue. Somebody was talking to a juror or a juror heard something. Somebody's sick. The defendant got arrested last <laughs> night, you know, in uh, Union County. I mean, issues with a witness. Mm-hmm. Can't, and expert witnesses had, you know. Uh, witness going into labor. I mean, it, you know, just all kinds of of uh, unusual things that there's no. You mentioned this last time. No script for, mm-hmm. and you got to wing it. And uh, but but it almost never fails. You come in, and there's some some uh, new issue that, and I found it creative and challenging to deal with these things. And how do you? To uh, and, and I think having been in the trenches helped me resolve those. Man, I always it was so important for the judge always to seek input from the attorneys, both sides, and the court personnel on these kinds. Do of you issues. ask? Do you ask? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty interesting. I always wondered that. You know, I, I had um, when I retired, I got some uh, some uh, notes from people, including you all, and uh, one of the clerks in Mecklenburg wrote me a note. She said, you were a great judge, and you were smart and you were fair. She said, but I'll tell you what, one of the things we really liked about you, you you observed the breaks, you let us take our breaks. You wouldn't go over without consulting with us. She said, one Memorial Day, it was a Friday, were we going to have to come back next week, or were we going to, the jury was still out, uh, deliberate past 5 o'clock. You called the courtroom personnel, uh, the mm-hmm. clerk and the bailiff and the court reporter said, we'll come back next week if you can't stay, it's, you know, and they decided to stay. And she said, but just to be asked, just to be considered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, I think that comes from having been in the trenches. You all know this. Grady Stott, great civil lawyer in Gastonia, civil defense lawyer, mm-hmm. used to tell um, – his uh, young associates, the most important thing you do when you go in that courtroom, you get to know the court personnel during a trial. Yeah, I've you heard that. You get to know the clerk and the, and the court reporter and the, and, the, and the bailiff. You establish a rapport with them because they can save your ass. Uh, absolutely. What's amazing yeah. to me is that it's 2021 and people still comment to us about how grateful they are that we're so nice to them. Court reporters in particular, you know, when I'm in a deposition and it goes late at night 
And you know, all the other lawyers are packing up and running out because they want to get home. Well, I want to get home, too. But they're leaving this poor, oh, yeah. most of the time, female court reporter. Yeah. And she's going to have to walk to her car by herself in yeah. the dark. Yeah. And so I always I always oh, offer, I at least offer to that. stay and wait yeah. and walk with her to her car, yeah. particularly if, you know, we're someplace where it yeah. may be a little sketchy to go outside by yourself. And they, they like, no one does that. How, how, how no, is that just, possible that no one else just, is doing just, that for them. <laughs> just oblivious and uh I will, I will say this though you all are so good about it and all and the good lawyers are so good about knowing everybody I, I won't say the bailiff's name but when he was in motions court for years whenever trisha tur would come in and i hate to bur- burst the bubble but he did this to some other uh, lawyers too. He would go over and kiss her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I remember that bailiff because he, he, he would he do would it to me too. Yeah, he did that. He did yeah. the, And then he would. He. I remember. He said, "Trish, who's on the other side of your case?" She said, "So and so." He went over there. You better be nice yeah. to her. Yeah. <laughs> you know the reason why he and I got to be friends, and he was he is a was a wonderful man. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Was because I was a brand new baby lawyer. And I think it was something like a minor settlement here. It was a it was a minor proceeding. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a big adversarial thing. And there was a judge who had some very particular things that he wanted whenever you came before him with that particular motion. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm watching court and I clearly didn't know what I was doing. And we I got up there and I started trying to go through it. And I was doing it all wrong and we took a break. And he walked over to me and he said, "You're doing it wrong." And I said, I ain't, well, what am I, what am I supposed to do? He's like, well, you need this, this, and this. I said, wow, okay, thank you. I walked back in after the break. I was like, this, this, and this, done. Wow. And on that day, I learned, <laughs> yeah. I learned that sometimes the smartest lawyer in the, in the courtroom isn't is you. the person in the uniform. <laughs> That's right. Listen, it listen. isn't you. <laughs> and, and, and what I appreciate so much about the way you all handle that, I mean, let's face it. Uh, you're not supposed to be bailiff's not supposed to be kissing the lawyers and I mean that's inappropriate particularly in, <laughs> in, in, in our in our in our in our time today but you all understood where he was coming He's, from he was, he was harmless. being sweet was, it wasn't yeah. it was uh, a gesture of uh, affection and respect and and didn't make a big deal about it and maybe some judge would have but I knew where it was coming from yeah but anyway uh, but but uh, uh, the uh, uh, the court and personnel, uh, I, I do to get circle back to what you're asking. I, I do uh, consult with them with the surprise of the morning, and it literally, uh, I was in a trial for five or six weeks, and literally every morning there was some new wrinkle. <laughs> and you all know this. I know this very well. Oh, this is in the you know, and we have to switch things around and all of that. And you know, one of the I think that one of the highest compliments. I, I was trying to. I tried eleven week uh, Mad Mal case with uh, with uh, James Ferguson and uh, Scott Stevenson, and uh, when we got started, they said, "Judge, can we just say this?" Where of course they were being complimentary, but they said, "Judge, reason we're glad you're in here. You let us try our case. Yeah, you're yeah. a judge that let you try your case." And to me, that's the highest compliment I think a judge can get. And it comes from, again, having been in the trenches. Absolutely. So, no, I, I, Sarah and I were talking about that on the way over, about you know, when there are really harsh limits on trial proceedings or you know, timing and time limits that are just very, very 
short, like five minutes for voir dire, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, it just it, it, it does kind of restrict your ability not only to be the to do as best you can, but also to be creative, to have that creativity. Mm. But yeah, the issue of the morning Every case I've ever had, there has been an issue in oh, the morning. Yeah. Just, Every yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and in most of Nature our cases, of we've got witnesses who are flying in from oh, all over yeah, the country. I yeah. mean, there are things that you just, you know, that are beyond your control. And you try and plan. If you're a good lawyer, you have a plan for when your witnesses are going to be there and how it's going to go. And the most frustrating thing for, for us is when we have judges who are yelling at us and saying, if you don't have a witness here at 3 o'clock you're going to have a problem. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, if the other side goes shorter on something than we expected or they pull a witness unexpectedly, there's only so much fill that you can do that doesn't hurt you with the jury too, you know? I mean, I'm not going to put up an unprepared witness no, no, no. Um, to fill a gap because the judge is mad at me that I had a witness who, you know, was scheduled to appear on Thursday and it's Wednesday and the other side finished early. But we get yelled at. Um, by some judges for that, it's, and that's frustrating. It is. Well, I think that's just uh, a disgrace. Uh, I, I personally know of a case, this was a number of years ago, when the expert witness was riding around the, this is the county where the courtroom was, uh, I mean, the courthouse is in the middle of town, couldn't find a parking place, was calling in, I, I'm, I'm here at the courthouse, I can't find a parking place. And the lawyer was saying, Judge, can you just give us 10 minutes? Call your witness now, counselor, or you're arresting. I mean, you know. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, nothing can but do I will that. say this. I don't think I've ever, ever, ever refused to let a lawyer take a witness out of order. Right. Uh, and yeah. I, I've even done it when we've already got somebody on the witness stand. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, the other lawyers are gracious and understand. And when somebody has objected to it, of course, I overrule it. And I say, what are we going to do later in the trial when this happens to you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they, oh, well, you yeah, know, okay, I don't have a problem. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so I want anyway, I want to yeah. know what's the best piece of lawyering you've seen and what's the worst piece of lawyering you've seen, either at trial or emotions. Doesn't matter. Well, I tell you what, I, I've, I, I've seen so many brilliant closing arguments and I've seen so many brilliant uh, cross-examinations. It would be difficult to pick one. As somebody who is not a tech person, I'm a... Techno, no. I am dismayed, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Trisha Durr here. Uh-oh. The first time I saw her argue a motion for summary judgment using PowerPoints. And I, the only other person I'd seen do it was Jim Cooney. And you all are kind of the same bolt of cloth all three. <laughs> he trained you. But he may have trained us. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and she is... Not even look. Not even talk about good lawyering. Not even looking at the screen. She's got the thing in her hand, and what the exhibit she's talking about is suddenly up there. Okay, and she begins talking about a particular part of the of, of the deposition. Suddenly, we're zooming in on it. <clears throat> suddenly, the sentence uh, in that uh, answer is highlighted in yellow, and there's a red swirl around it. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, it it brings to life visually. There it is. And I'm not fumbling around. And, uh, you know, you know, what page you say that was on? Let me. That kind of mastery of uh, technology merging it with a brilliant argument, it oh. just brought it to life. And worst, worst piece of lawyering, um, there, was a, there, was a, <laughs> there was this lawyer, and he was not a new lawyer. He had been around for... 20 years 
But I'd never seen him, and I hold court. Being a circuit writer, your 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 reader, your your viewers or listeners may not know this, but we're a circuit writer, so we hold court a lot. Well, uh, for years I held court in Charlotte in Mecklenburg County for six months every year because there's so much court there, and we we would rotate around different places. But it was uh, a done deal. You go to Charlotte, so and I'd never seen this lawyer, so I knew he wasn't a litigator. Okay. Never saw him in motions court. So I have the pre-trial conference they always do. And I said to uh, the lawyer, good lawyer on the defense, I said, any money on the table? He told me. Again, I dropped my jaw. Wow, that's a lot of money for this kind of an injury. And I said, uh, how come you guys hadn't taken it? And the guy said, you know, Judge, uh, you know what we've been doing wrong? We settle our good cases and we try our bad ones. He said, uh, I'm going to try this case. Uh, you know, I, I want to show him it's how it's done. I want to try this case. Let you guys see what I got. Okay. So we walk into court and he says, Judge, how many uh, peremptories do I get in a oh. civil case? Now, this is the guy that's going to show me. And that, it went downhill from there. There was a particular part where uh, the defense lawyer wanted something redacted. And again, to the listeners, you know, that would be when it would be uh, deleted or whited out or blacked out or whatever. You know, and so uh, uh, redacted. And he said, uh, uh, Judge, uh, how do you want this thing didacted? I said, well, oh, there are different ways we can redact uh, this exhibit, and we can white it out and then make a copy. And, and so he, he goes in front of the jury, this, ex- this exhibit has been didacted. Wait a minute. you can't. So, and then, I mean, it just went down. I mean, he had no idea what he was doing. And then, Dad, insult to injury, in the closing argument, kid you not, he got up to the jury. First words, members of the jury, the judge and even the other lawyer, we have an advantage over you in this case. We've been to law school. Oh, golly. Now, Ouch. had he not lost the jury two days before. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. That would have been the end of him. <laughs> but the look, at, 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 at this point, they were bored and they were irritated. But the look of outrage uh, and insult on, on their faces. And... As you go, he was totally oblivious to it. And when the verdict of zero goose egg, Donata, Neil, nothing came in, he was stunned. And I would have felt sorry for his client, but he was equally a jerk as well. <laughs> and so I didn't have any. And so that was pretty bad lawyering. So, Do you remember, um, I was just having a flashback, do you remember um, Judge Boner's retirement party? Oh, we yeah. had such a, we good, had time. a good time. I would love to tell. Well, I would love for you to tell the you, story about what you said. Well, you and <laughs> you and Lisa Bell, Judge Bell, were planning, and they were contacting me during the day. And can we go there? Should we have a filter? And, they, and, and I was like, sure. and finally they said, uh, "No filter." You said, go "What for you it. want, Judge?" Yeah, go for it. I'm not sure which. Well, I told a lot of rebel stories that night. I'm not sure which one you're referring to. The ones that were the super, super bad. (laughs) The headlines, do you remember? Yeah. That was hilarious. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in my life. That was the 8540 party is what we called it, the rule 8540. Because Judge Boner used to say to me, you know, he'd issue a ruling. I'd kind of look at him like, I don't agree with you kind of a thing. He'd be like, Ms. Durr? I'm like, yes, sir. 
you don't like what my decision was, you look at 80, rule, 80, rule 8540. I was like, Your Honor, I, I'm not familiar with rule 8540. He said, get on Highway 85 North and go 40 West to Raleigh. You'll see the Court of Appeals. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. But anyway, he, he's a he's a good man. I do I do remember that. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go there or not, some of those inlines. Or... I think you can go there. We can always cut it a fifth. Well, okay. <laughs> we got good editors we, here. Yes, we have editing Mary. capacity. Yeah. You, you, you gave don't a speech. get in front well, of a jury. You gave Judge, the best speech. Well, you, you're so kind. Judge, Judge Boner. He loves making his uh, opinion, and he writes letters to the editor, and he puts things on Facebook. Uh, and uh, I love that picture you put the day he discovered Facebook. And <laughs> but anyway, uh, when they had uh, the Huff High, I think it's H O U G H, uh, the, the in the northern part of the county, there were some objections to the naming of the school after this distinguished uh, person. Because people said, well, these people are not going to have pronounce it. They're going to call it Ho-Hi, H-O-Ho-Hi, <laughs> And Judge Boner wrote a letter and said, uh, you know, uh, come on, guys. This is absolutely ridiculous. He said, if you're going to honor somebody, honor them. And uh, you don't need to worry about what stupid people are going to do. He said, uh, my name is Richard Boner, <laughs> Dick Boner. And he said... You wouldn't believe the headlines and the things, you know. Boner returns stiff verdict. Boner presides over hung jury. It was so funny. It was funny. Boner gives hard time. Boner gives hard, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, and, and listen, that was in the Observer. Maybe we can keep this in, because it was in the Charlotte Observer. And and so what he was saying is, come on, you know, I've taken this kind of, a, but I haven't changed my name, you know. But That was anyway. so funny. The rain. Oh, the, the, these girls back behind you have tears in their eyes. <laughs> Yeah. It was. It was uh, really yeah, funny. That was fun. That was a and great party. You, you were you were hot that night too, and so was Judge Bell. Well, you, we gave him the fa- the selfie. We gave him the selfie stick. Oh, yeah. Remember, because oh, he yeah. had just discovered Facebook, and yeah. I'm telling you, he was posting every day. He was, and it was uh, hilarious. It was, funny. It was hilarious. So it yeah, was we gave hilarious. him the selfie stick so it he could funny. take pictures of himself. He he told a story. I, I'll, I'll tell this quickly. And you all can cut it out. He, <laughs> he said his bailiff, I told the story, his bailiff uh, was at the Fog Cutter at nightclub back in the back in the day. I used to go there back on my salad days. And and uh, the bailiff uh, was in casual class. Anyway, he got in a fight with somebody. Somebody cut him. And the EMTs came, and they were cutting his uh, – he, he was stabbing the stump. They cut his pants off, and he had a cucumber taped to his uh, thigh. Had a cucumber taped to his thigh. So – Anyway, he recovered and he was back and he was in, in front of Judge, uh, in chambers with Judge Scarborough. He was uh, playing solitaire, throwing down the cards. He said, This weekend I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to do that thing. And Judge Scarborough said, uh, Hey, Sheriff, let me ask you a question. I heard that every time you get near a vegematic, you get nervous. Is that right? <laughs> And, uh, that's pretty funny. Oh my gosh, that's I amazing. I told you I don't have a filter. But anyway. that's no, right. hey, you don't need yeah. you don't need a filter. That's I, I told not that with us. That night. I told that story that night. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, before we before we yes, cut ma'am. you loose, um, at least for today, mm-hmm. young lawyers. Yeah, you know, we mm-hmm. we actually have our our first two really young lawyers in our office that mm-hmm. we're trying to they all young you know to me. train and um, give words of wisdom to. Mm-hmm. 
for young lawyers appearing in court for you know their first motion, their first trial, what would be one of the the most important things you think they should know beyond being kind to everyone in the courtroom? Total candor. Uh, don't um, you know? Don't uh, as you all, as every good lawyer knows, your credibility is mm-hmm. everything. Once you lose that, you might as well go tar a roof for a living. Once you lose your credibility with uh, the judge and other lawyers and and jurors and and just totally can't you know concessions you know I tell you I if a lawyer would it would say you know judge uh, instead of making up some namby pamby excuse just say you know I just I, I I just I lost track of this thing I dropped the ball I just need a continuance I just need some time. Yeah, I don't think I've ever failed to give a continuance for something like that. But I, I just think being honest, and, and again, there's a lot of pressure to win and prevail and, and the courtroom battle and all that. And, and to concede an obvious point in candor, you know. And Ms. Lincoln makes an excellent point here, Honor. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's how I think I can distinguish her argument from what we have here, you know. Rather than say, I can't believe this outrageous argument she made, you know. So I, I just think candor. And um, and the other thing is, like you say, be, being respectful. Uh, people who, young lawyers, again, this is a, they grew up in a different world. Judges are not God anymore, thank goodness, is that back in the day they were. But you need to yield gracefully to the rulings of the court. Don't need to be scowling and slamming your books down when the judge rules against you. Absolutely. Yeah. Good advice. So um, I was going to play a game with you. Okay. Talking about vulnerability. I'm going to give you a choice of two things. Yes, ma'am. And you pick one. Okay. Dog or cat? Cat. Salt or sweet? Sweet. Breakfast or brunch? Breakfast. Mow the lawn or cut the grass? Mow the lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a trick question to me. Marvin Gaye or Stevie Wonder? Uh, oh, that's tough. I knew it was going to be a hard one for you. I did it on purpose. That's so tough. Marvin Gaye. Interesting. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac or Steely Dan? Fleetwood Mac. Do it yourself or hire a handyman? Hire a handyman. It's <laughs> a no brainer. Do you have any? I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't I in on the game. game. I love playing this. I love <laughs> playing what if. Oh, uh, you're. you're um, let me see. Let me see if I can come up. With it. Oh, beach or mountains? Uh, beach. Ski or swim? Swim. Civil or criminal? That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> Is that not a fair question? Uh, my uh, probably criminal. Although I love the civil cases, but criminal. Is it different if you're a judge versus a lawyer? Uh, is it, you mean the preference? Yeah. Yeah, so presiding, would you prefer no, civil no, or criminal no, versus no. being a lawyer, well, civil versus it, criminal? It's almost a tie. It's probably fifty one forty nine, but probably criminal. Wow. What with my public defender? Well, I, I, yeah. I wonder if sometimes the yeah. lawyers, just because they try so many cases that they've got, you've got more experienced lawyers in criminal court, especially with the, like the PD or... Well, office. the most experienced lawyers are in the medical malpractice cases, like Sarah said. I mean, the, but I will say this: in the early days, before we had a lot of the the changes in the law, there were some lawyers who, general practitioners, who would file med mal cases for plaintiffs. And they had no idea what they were doing, and, and well, it's fine. It may we get some settlement or something, you know. Yeah. And 
and of course, no settlement. They wind up in trouble. You, we don't see that anymore with the changes in the law. Just recently, I would say I in the last two years, so none of them have gone to trial yet. Yeah. We are seeing a lot seeing, of lawyers uh, who have not filed medical malpractice oh cases before Lord. filing them and not well, having any you, idea what they're I doing. I saw that early on, but uh, but but one of the reasons I love those kind of cases or products liability, things like that, is because you have good plaintiffs and defense bars. Yeah. But yeah. sadly, uh, you know, in a business is everybody needs business and all that, but uh, I can't imagine uh, even a skilled lawyer uh, who has not had medical malpractice work, even a skilled lawyer uh, who has not had medical malpractice work, taking a case like that without associating somebody who knows what they're doing. It's hard. It, ta- it takes a lot of time to learn the medicine and the, oh, yeah. the right things to pronounce. I mean, you yeah. know, how to say things and what a CBC is and yeah, all of that. Yeah. yeah it's, but it's anyway. A lot to it. Yeah. Well, you're you're awesome. Um, Thank you so much. That was so we so appreciate it. I love the war stories. They just are so cool. You know, I I I want to uh, for years. People say you need to write a book, and maybe that's something I'll do. It's uh uh I got almost fifty years worth of stories and uh, uh, a lot of good memories and a lot of good justice that was done. Mm, A lot of good stuff that I remember. So overall, over your career, do you feel like our system works? I do. Amen. 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 Yes. Absolutely. It could not without lawyers like Sarah Lincoln and Tricia Durr in your your firm. You're very sweet. Thank you. Well, in closing, gosh, there were so many lessons in that. Like we Uh, we talk about credibility and vulnerability all the time. Yeah. Um, And that's that's been our scarlet thread actually coming through this podcast. It's been a very common theme where we we talk about that a lot, and it does matter. And I'm glad you highlighted it as well. It's good to know that the bench thinks in the same same way that we do. And we've always said, first liar always loses. That's right. That's right. You've got. I mean, your credibility is absolutely everything. He did. He did. He He also taught me how to do that PowerPoint theme. (laughs) 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 Can't take credit. That. <laughs> anyway, you want, you want to do the verdict, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. So everybody who's listening, we would love to hear your comments, get your feedback. If you would listen, download, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, keep listening and, and share with your friends. We sure would appreciate it. Yes, and thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Yeah, you thanks guys for being are here. Yeah. Appreciate it.